You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Foundation Radio is brought to you by 10th Ward Barbershop, a full-service barbershop offering high-quality haircuts, beard trims, and hot shaves. 10th Ward Barbershop proudly serves the historic Lawrenceville, 10th Ward, and surrounding Pittsburgh areas. Adam frequents 10th Ward Barbershop when he swings through the area and loves Ryan Kane's laser-sharp precision on both his hair and beard needs. But you don't have to take his word for it. WWE superstars Finn Balor and Corey Graves frequent 10th Ward Barbershop for their hair and beard needs. The team at 10th Ward accepts walk-ins, but schedules fill up quickly, so the best way to see them is to make an appointment at 10thwardbarbershop.com. That's 10thwardbarbershop.com. Make sure to grab some Silk Panther hair products in shop or online while you're there. Schedule your appointment today to see Kane, Jordan, and the rest of the team at 10th Ward Barbershop today. And we thank them for sponsoring the program. to Foundation Radio. My name is Adam Bernard. Thank you so much for joining us again. And my guest today is my friend, the writer for The Ringer. He is the host of the South Congress podcast, the wrestling scribe extraordinaire and co-chair, I'll have you know, with Sir Wilkins of the Sting Fan Club. Cameron Hawkins is here. Cam, how are you, sir? Great to see you. I'm doing all right, man. It's good to see you, too. Absolutely. Everything is good here. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. I know you've been very busy. Uh, but I want to talk to you first at the top of the show about your L.A. Night piece. Uh, fantastic read. If you haven't had a chance to go and check it out, you can go check it out right now at The Ringer. You can also check it out on Cam's uh, Twitter account, because I'm never calling it X. It's on Twitter at Seahawk. Tell me about that experience and tell me about some of the feedback that you've had since the piece has re- been released. Yeah, so... Uh and you've, you know, you've been doing this for a while. So sometimes things don't, things don't always line up exactly like they're supposed to. Like I get a call uh, from my guy, uh, Greg Domino there in WWE communications. He's like, all right, I got him on the phone. I was like, on the phone, <laughs> I got him on the phone. I'm like, but we got to record this, Greg. Like, what are you, he's like, okay, but what? And so I had to literally like grab my other phone. I had to get the bat phone and uh, my iPad. And so I'm recording them off voice memo. Right. And I'm like, this is not going to work. Long story short, um, like transcription software is very racist because <laughs> like LA night, like, you know, white guy, Hagerstown, Maryland, that gruff voice, it recorded it so well that I might've had to change like four words in the transcription when the AI did its thing. I was like, Oh, come on. But, um, it was really interesting. Um, it was, you know, it's like 10 in the morning. I know he had a million things to do. Um, if you listen to it, it took him a while to warm up to the idea. If you've heard the actual, like the audio, but it was cool, man. Like it was, it was really fun. Um, I think that what I kind of pride myself on, um, and I, I love that, uh, my man, like muscle man, Ma- muscle man, Malcolm does it in a different way, mm-hmm. but I need to get something out of you that you're not telling everybody else. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. like this conversation needs to go away and not just for me to be different, but for the writing to be good. I think like I have to find a lane. I have to find an angle. It needs to be about more than just who you're wrestling, where you're wrestling them and who you grew up liking. You know what I mean? So I think it came out well. Um, as far as feedback, we, um, we talked for about 20 minutes and in the last two minutes, um, you know, I'm asking about music and I don't want to uh, regurgitate what people have been asking about. Hey, clearly you got this rap song and you like this. Right. And I was like, OK, everybody knows that. Everybody's done that. Um, so my thing was, uh, you know, what are you listening to now? Like what's what's on your mind now? Because, uh, you know, Roddy Strong is one of my favorite wrestlers and, you know, he's a big Nipsey Hussle fan. And they do not come from the same world. You know, Roddy, trailer park guy, Florida or wherever, and Nipsey Hussle, you know, hood guy from the East Coast or from the West Coast. But there's that commonality of I got to get out of this situation. I got to go get it, you know, and so that's what they kind of link on. So it was really interesting, you know, asking him about uh, music. And he says, I'm listening to all these Michael Jackson remixes. 
And it, it immediately clicked. I'm like, okay, like, because you are literally a remix. You you take the things that used to work, you have the new things down, and you've merged them into this really successful thing. So it was cool. Um, somebody who read it, um, you know, said, man, I, I love that, that YouTube channel and tweeted the guy. And so then it becomes a thing where you have a person who does not watch wrestling. It's like, oh, this big time wrestler is a fan of my work. And then he got to kind of understand where I was coming from as far as because uh, I had to, I had to explain it to him after he read it. But the whole point was like, you know, this guy borrows from what used to work. He puts his own spin on it. And that's why it's so successful. So, you know, it's new connections, man, like, like finding out that. You know, somebody from a completely different walk of life is a big fan of what you do. So it made that guy's weekend, you know. So, yeah, man, it was just uh, we got together on uh, Wednesday Worldwide, uh, the Ringer Wrestling Show. And I'm talking to to Cal and I'm talking to Brian, I'm talking to Ben. And, and they're like, so what did this mean to you? And I tell him, I was like, I'm L.A. Knight. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm. Those guys at the ringer found me when I was 36. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I've been doing this for 15 years, but they found me at um at 36. Like yeah. you, you, Adam, are one of the early adopters. You were reaching out to me before I even got the gig. And a lot of people, and bless their hearts, <laughs> a lot of people started reaching out to me and showing love and wanting me to be, yeah. me to be on their shows after the Ricky Starks piece dropped. And I get it. You right. know, I understand. Like somebody you know, like has as as a bit of cachet. You're interested in that. You want to know how they got there, but uh, yeah, those guys came and found me, man. They they saw potential in what I was doing. They saw the work, and um, and it paid off. And you know, for him, yeah, hard work, hard work, hard work. And I think that the best thing that came out of the the entire situation, he admits that hey, maybe some of the reason I didn't get to where I need to get to was my fault. Maybe right. I made mistakes, but now that I'm here. You stuck with me. So, yeah, man, I, re- I really did appreciate that. And it was, like I said, it was a great piece. I was actually, I'm glad you mentioned that where he talks about this quote. I'm going to read it. And again, if you haven't, if you go out of your way to check out this piece too, it's, uh, it's the Ringer website and the audio itself is actually at the South Congress podcast, which I'm going to link in the show notes here so you can find it. Um, don't forget to like and subscribe here and leave us comments about how great we are. We really like that here. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Ellie Knight says, nobody ever wanted to give me a shot. I didn't have the hookups. I didn't have somebody in the family who was in the business. Uh, you know, he goes on and he just says, and he says too, he takes responsibility for not making the move that he feels like he should have. And I got to tell you, man, reading that is one of the most relatable things I've ever experienced because, you know, I've been doing this media thing now for five or six years and it's like trying to, you know, I tweeted something the other day. It was like, there are so many times where I felt like just stopping. It's like, shit, it's not getting anywhere. I'm not getting the results I want. I'm not getting the people I want on the show. It's always a, uh, maybe next time or, or we'll work in somehow. And it's just this really defeating feeling. But then I read that and I'm like, God damn, this guy's main eventing a major pay-per-view when very likely eight months before this, he probably would have been fired because he was saddled with a realistically a shitty gimmick. Right. So it was very, it was very much one of those moments where it was like, it was just, it was affirming in in a lot of different ways. And I feel like that's been one of the really positive feedbacks out of the piece. I, I think I've seen the most commentary on that as well. One of the other things, and shout out to Muscle Man Malcolm as well. He is a, a good friend of the show. Um, I know he lives in my area now, so I got to get together with him, and we're going to make some a great content, I'm sure. But one of the things I want to ask you, one of the things that I, I see a lot about you is uh, your writing style and about how you approach that. Tell me more about your process, because I, I come from as a teenage reporter as well. I feel like we have a very similar writing style. Tell me more about your approach when you start putting these pieces together. I'm never going to be... Um, a wrestling expert. And what I mean is like, I'm never going to be the guy who can tell you who fought at the Tokyo Dome March 3rd, 1992. I'm just, <laughs> I'm not built it. Right. right. Took, the math class I took in college was math for non-math majors. You know, I, I math somehow zero nine five. Like, math 095. Yeah. yeah. The entry level. Yeah. I somehow got through physics. Like I don't, I don't know how I got through <laughs> physics. I, 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 I don't know what I did. Right? right. But my biggest thing is like, there are so many people who can do that and are great at that. There are wrestling historians and that is a very important thing. How did you feel right now? What's going on with you right now? And, and I want to draw in from history, everything that led you to this point, but where are you today? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I want to have conversations with people and I want you to feel like I'm having a conversation. Right. 
That's my biggest thing. Like there's so many factoids and, and, you know, interesting tidbits, but I think the emotion in the moment is always what's really important to me. Like when I talked to Ricky Starks and again, this is, you know, good friend of mine, somebody I, you know, had known for a year and change before we even wrote, I didn't want to talk about him, you know, fighting his way through the Texas independence. Right. I did not want to talk about him, you know, having to move to Texas from Katrina, like, and cause that's all out there. Right. I want to talk about why you and I are walking through this furniture store with these $3,000 couches. That's what I want to talk about. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want to know what makes you, I want to know what makes you tick and yeah. what, what, what got you there is so important, but what's going on in here and in here to where you're in the position that you're in. Right. Like when I talked to Dex, it was like, you know, we find out we're guys who graduated into a recession. You know, right. and they told us just go to college and the world is in front of you. And yeah. it was like, no, that ain't the case. So with <laughs> that, I needed to talk about getting it out the mud and, and fighting through it. Like, but what it was really about, that's like maybe two paragraphs. What the rest of it is about is what he's presenting in the ring right now. Right. And why that's important to him. You know, um, I, I just think that having a great memory is super important, mm-hmm. but these not only these people, these are characters too, and right. I want you to feel both of them when we're putting these words together. Like, um, you know, I, tomorrow I got one of the participants um, for Survivor Series. Wow. I won't say which one, but their trajectory over the last couple of years has been so interesting. And the key thing I want to talk about is. What did it take for you to be comfortable with what you're doing? Mm. Um, And so that's going to be really the the focal point. I got lucky. And I think this one is going to be special because Survivor Series isn't for another two weeks. Right. This is the earliest I've gotten a hold of somebody. Wow. To where, like, I can really... Because, look, full disclosure, and this is not to brag. This is just to really express it. Almost everything that you've read that you've read from me is me sitting down and writing for three hours after an interview, and then me shooting it off to Cal, me and Cal bouncing it back and forth for a day, then send it to, it to the desk. Mm-hmm. I don't say that to brag, but it's just like my mind is always working right. like as a conversation. And I, and for most of these things, I've been writing them in my head before I even talk to the guy. I was you just going to say, I was going to John Alba. I was just yeah. going to say, yeah, shout out to John Alba. He's the same way. I know we've talked about it as well. It's like when my process, when I start to write things or when I start to think about things, it's almost like the best way to explain it. It's almost like a, like a cyclone, right? Like I have a bunch of different thoughts in my head all at one time. And then from those thoughts, I pull the thesis out on exactly what I want to convey in the conversation or exactly what I want to convey in the piece. And then once I start, dude, it's like, I'm not stopping. Like, I don't care if I'm sitting here for three hours. I'm going to keep moving at this and getting it done because that's just the way my process works. And that's how I get through this stuff. So it's, 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 it's complicated for, and and I, and again, I I don't mean this to come off in a pejorative way or, you know, as a, a, in a way that would sound weird, but it's like for people who are not writers, it's hard to explain that process to people because it's such a unique thing, right? It's like the same thing for people who are photographers or, or, or actual painters or anything like that. Whatever that, that creative process is, once you're in that moment, man, get the fuck out of my way because I'm not stopping, you know? Exactly, exactly. It's, 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 it's fun and it's nerve-wracking. And full disclosure, I thought people were going to hate this. Really? Really? I people were going to hate it. Because what, what I felt like was... I got, I think I pulled the right things out of it, but like, I don't think what I wrote necessarily matches what you heard. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. at first I'm just kind of like, man, he's not really into it. And, but like, you can hear like towards the end, he's really warmed up to it and we're getting the words out. I was just like, I think when I went back and read what he said about, people coming up to him on the street and saying that he was restoring the feeling about what they wanted from wrestling. Mm-hmm. That's when I had more confidence in it. That's when I was like, okay, like, right. like I, I understand why I, I know I'm into him, but 
it's not just me having that effect. And like, you don't, everybody doesn't get to be cool older guy that people are coming up to him like, yo, you doing what I used to like. Everybody doesn't get that. And so I think once that process, I was like, okay, we got this. Like we got this. But yeah, at first it was a a little touch and go. But actually like I think everybody's gonna hate all of them when they come out. And then and then it all comes out well. (laughs) I I have a great editor and um he knows um how to like rein in mm-hmm. some of my crazy ideas like yeah i'm i'm the, I'm the ben Russo, right? right um but yeah but yeah it, it comes together pretty well um and you know this this one too if you if you look at it it's one of the shorter ones it is it's almost yeah. exactly two thousand words and i think that that's also effective i don't think there's really any wasted motion in what we did no. So I, I do think that contributed to it, too. And that's something I want to get better at, too. Um, you know, brevity is important. And even though what I do is a long form, you know, conversation, I think that 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 hit like a real sweet spot. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to try to work toward that going forward. Yeah. I mean, like I said, the, the, the fact that it was a shorter piece than most of the other ones, right? Like comparative to the sting, I think I think sting was probably twice as long as that. Right. And it's we, but we there's an cow. Let me go. Yeah, I, I was going to yeah. say, but there's also there's a there's a difference between the two. And it's not like it's not to knock one or the other, but it's the fact that like sting has had this illustrious career and there isn't a ton. Of, there aren't a ton of people out there who have access to Sting like that. Sting doesn't do yeah. a ton of media. Sting doesn't do these conversations or long forms. So in order mm-hmm. to get this opportunity like you did to have that conversation, obvi- I would have expected to do the same thing. I'm going to get as much out of this as I can. L.A. Knight's yeah. trajectory is still, he's still white hot. Like, you know, the loss mm-hmm. at, at, at Crown Jewel ha- doesn't seem to have affected him that much. But yeah. he still has a ton of, of, of tread left on those tires. So giving him that, that, that like, like the brevity of that conversation yeah. is going to allow you then and go back to it later on. Whereas Sting, you're going to have this one small yeah. movement there. What would you say is the most frustrating like, uh, responses or the most frustrating commentary you get about your pieces? Because like, obviously your stuff is really good, right? Like I really enjoy reading your stuff and it's not just because you're my buddy, but it's like, it's, it's good. It's actually good to read and it's, it's well-written. What would you say is the most frustrating part about, about the writing? Um, so I'll tell you what, and, and this is like honest, if people have bad things to say about it, they don't say them to me. You know, um, I don't, I don't, the only like real negative feedback I've ever like received is from somebody who, uh, who lost their seat on the bus. I that, see. That's, that's, so that's a more personal, you know, it's a, like jealousy isn't the right word. Cause he's not a writer, but mm. it was also, we were a couple of us, especially over the pandemic got really tight and had plans to work on a lot of things. Mm. And, you know, he kind of, put himself out there as a person we didn't feel like we could work with. And so that's really the only negative feedback. Like one time somebody said they felt like they were getting too much retread of what they'd heard from like my Booker T piece. And I was like, I I get that because that was, that needed to be about what Booker T did and why that has such uh, a big footprint on what's happening WrestleMania weekend. So I got it. Like, but now, man, it's, um, you know, I don't, they, they, if they hate it, they don't tell me. My issue is, you know, these. Um, so, Adam, um, when we first started doing, when you and I first started collaborating, yep. it was with uh, a specific uh, service. Yes, it was. And, and <laughs> it did not necessarily work out um, in, in your favor. And, you, and you've talked about that. So I'm not speaking out of turn. I don't think. No, no, no. So, you know, a couple of months later, they bring in people who didn't build that thing. And I, I like some of those guys. Some of those guys I'm tight with. Yeah. But they made an effort to go bring in some guys. I'm like, damn, he did the work. Now, he he can't eat off it because, okay, I you know, business, whatever. Right, business so is right. what frustrates me is I, I, I get these unique things out of these people. Right. And I get these really cool quotes. Like I thought like Eddie Kingston, you know, I didn't dress it up. I didn't write on it at all. I just say, yo, this is what we talked about. Right. Um, with Danielson, you know, Danielson was so open and, you know, sweet and, you know, um, 
me talking to Max. Max is an open book. So I, right. I did all these things. And then I got to jump on Twitter and see as told to the ringer. And I'm like, yes, they didn't the ringer shit. <laughs> they told him that. Yes. Shout out to the ringer. And, and granted, I understand it comes with the territory. Mm-hmm. You get with the big organization. They recognize the organization first. But I'm like, it's people who like know me and talk to me. Like taking my name off of my work. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's the hardest part. Like I, as much as I love the money, I love the damn recognition. Well, and right. not for it being good, not for it being bad, but for me doing the damn thing. I, that's what, you know I'm, what, I'm, saying? That's like, what I'm saying, dude. Like, I don't give a shit if you like it or not. I don't care. The whole point of me doing these conversations, whether it's Eric Bischoff, whether it's Robert Costa, whether it's anybody, I don't, I don't care. If you like it, great. Share it with your friends. If you don't like it, I don't give a shit. Move on. Find somebody else to listen to. What I care about, what I care about is whether or not you're going to give me the credit when you release, you take my my quotes, you take my information and you put it out there on the internet and you don't quote, you don't, you don't say where it's from. Like, where did, where the fuck do you think this was said? Like, it wasn't just said into the ether. We, um, we got on and got successful and got work at like the worst time on the internet. <laughs> because, well, then you know, Twitter fucking I, falls apart. It's a shit show yeah, now. Yeah, dude. It's it, what's hard for me is like Twitter. You know, I, I built my brand on Twitter. Yeah. You know, like, like I, you know, came up from, you know, three thousand to four thousand to ten thousand to now twenty thousand followers, and a big part of that is presenting personality, presenting honesty, but also like flipping that and having interesting things to say about this thing that we cover. Right. Right. So, you know, I'm not like, I understand that there is money to be made by taking off the name of the artist and still publishing the art. I totally get it, Mm -hmm. but it sucks. It sucks. Mm -hmm. Cause I'm like, yo, I, I, I like, I toiled over this thing. Yeah. Like I sit down, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm trying to put these words together. I shoot it off to my editor. I worry about him hating it. Um, and then we got to work through it. We got to argue back and forth over should this be said? Should this not be said? Can we, are we allowed to say this? We go through all that. <laughs> I sit up th- Thursday nights and I'm sitting there like it's coming out in the morning. It's coming oh, out in the morning. Oh my God, it's coming out in the morning. I got to go through all that. Just for you to take my name off of me. Like, come on, bro. I sweat in my fucking bed all night for this shit. And you're going to take my name off. Like, fuck you, man. I think what what I'm also realizing is that people are now, and it's happened to everybody on the internet, but for me more now, people are going out of their way to misconstrue things that I say. I've noticed that. Yeah. 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 And so... It's, I think that in some circles, people have done it to a point where they feel like there's some type of like, some type of space between us or some type of like negative energy. And so they sometimes go out of their way to discredit me on things. And I'm just like, guys, it's never that deep. Like, everybody should eat. I want everybody to win. And I've never never tried to stop nobody from getting it that was doing a good job. Right. You know, so. And that's, that's the thing is that's my thing as well is like, I'm, I don't want to be involved in anybody. If you, if you have personal issues outside of this, that's one thing, but like we're all here doing and working towards the same goal, right? Like we're all doing the same thing. I'm not interested in fighting. I'm not interested in the drama. Like I just, I want to be like, I want to hang out with everybody at fucking WrestleMania weekend. Like I want to be a part of this, which is why I'm doing this. And it's like, I, I just, I don't have time for that. But I, I noticed too, with, with Twitter and the way that things have kind of fallen apart on that app is like, uh, you know, Adrian Hernandez, a friend of the show, friend of ours had his content jacked recently by someone, uh, I think it was his Eddie Kingston interview. They took him completely out of the interview. They cut his information and it's like, what the hell is going no, no, on no. here? Let me tell you what they did. Yeah. Yeah. What exactly they, did they do? to him? Yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you what happened. So. They, um, they, as he posted the interview, he posted the video. Adrian is very conscientious of branding. Right. So on his videos, it has his name. It has like a banner with um, all the ways you can reach him. Like he's very much on top of it. Instead of reposting the video, 
somebody went to YouTube, screen recorded the entire video, and then posted it. But they still left his information on there. It's like, bro, like this is his work. Right. He did this. You're going out of your way to try to make a profit off of this guy's hard work. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's really nasty out here, man. It is. It's really and that's why it's important for us to stick together the way that we do, because we amplify each other. And I, I want to make sure I say this as well, too. You have been a big supporter of my work for as long as I've known you. I genuinely I tell you that all the time, but I genuinely appreciate all of the the, the, the sharing and the reposting that you do for me um, and, and all the stuff that we put together and, and vice versa. Right. Uh, but it's, it's really important for me to share that content as well be, and try to pay it forward as much as I can for anybody that I am, because I wasn't in this position six, 12, 18 months ago. But now that I'm starting to become more notable and, and people are, are tuning in more, I want people to, you know, I want to be able to help and use that platform for anywhere I can. What I'm never going to do is I'm never going to jack anybody's shit. Like that's just not that, that to me is just, it's scandalous behavior, but yeah, I want to talk to you more now that we've, we've, we've hashed it all out. I want to talk about sting as well, because I know sting yeah. that article you did. Um, I think it's got almost a million impressions on Twitter at this point, but it's done really mm-hmm. well. Um, and I, we understand he's retiring this year. He's going to be retiring, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's going to be, is it all in uh, 2024? Is that the pay-per-view? It's, uh, Revolution, I want to say. Revolution. I think it's their first pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah, So what do you think? And I, I, I'm not fantasy booking here, but I, I, based upon your conversation with him, where, like, what do you foresee something of final Sting match being? And do you think this really is going to be the final match? Because obviously we've heard that before from people like Ric Flair. We've heard it from, you know, Hulk Hogan at multiple times. Do you really think that this is going to be his final, that's it, I'm retired? I believe him as much as you can believe a wrestler. Um, Just because, you know, what we really wrote about was how everybody else got his finish wrong. Mm. You know, like, that was the crux of what we talked about. It was WCW got it wrong. And, and WCW got, you know... Starcade wrong with Hogan. Yes. And you know, he's, he's open about that. They got that wrong, which should have been Sting's biggest moment. They got it wrong. And you can't control the company to go out of, out of business, but you know, they, right. they did. Uh, you know, TNA, it's not that they got it wrong. It's that at that iteration of TNA, because I think Impact is great right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, t- they're rebranding the TNA. Great for them. They got so much talent down there. Like, you know, they got the Jake somethings and the Trinity five twos. And, you know, they they are, when they get Kevin Knight, they got Kevin Knight. Like they are doing it. Right. But an old iteration, there's a ceiling. Everybody knew it. You know, AJ Styles had to go. Samoa Joe had to go, you know, put, put whatever name you want on there. They kind of reach, you know, when they started turning it around, shout out to LA Knight, was the, the the Eli Drakes, the Bobby Lashleys, the Drew, uh, what was his name when Drew he was Ga- there? I think it was Drew Galloway, wasn't it? Drew Galloway, yeah. yeah. That's when they really started to like like really be, I think, um, competent in a way. But what well, competent in, a, in the right way. I don't want to say in a mm-hmm. way because they were absolutely competent. Right. But when Sting was there, you know, it was come over here, get your money, do what you want to do. And as fun as that is, that has a shelf life, right? Right. Sting gets the, the opportunity to go to WWE. Sting got one idea. They got another, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, Sting said it. And and it's, I'm not speaking out of place. You know, Undertaker didn't want no parts of the match, which you to me is like, insane. Like, I just I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. But like every time I see this and every time I think about it, it's crazy that he would not want to do this, which mm-hmm. seems to be like. In my brain, I guess, and I'm not a promoter, I've never worked in the business, but in my brain, I'm going Sting and The Undertaker at WrestleMania that, uh, during the streak. That's printing fucking money. It's a layup. It's a layup. Literally. Um, you know, I think that at that point, I think The Taker knew his body was breaking down. Mm. You know, I think he knew that Sting was, as good as Sting was, he didn't need to be in there with a with a contemporary in that way, like age wise and miles wise, right? Um, but, but what got me was Sting tried to do it when the cinematic stuff started happening, mm-hmm. and Taker still didn't want no parts. That's what throws me off, right? Because it's like, yo, this is perfect. 
right? Like this is this is us maximizing what both guys do. That's what I'm saying. And you're you're yeah. you're masking injuries. You're masking any ability for them to get actually hurt. And you can tell a really great story with this, right? Like the actual WCW versus WWE, like the final mm-hmm. Monday Night War, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it was like you said, it was a layup. Like, like, like Steve would have ate that. It's fine. <laughs> he's not even give a shit. He doesn't care. Like, okay, well, let's do this. Yeah, it's business. Right. So, you know, all these stops, Sting never really gets like that, that, that swan song. And I'll tell you what, I, I, I've said it and, you know, there are things right now in AEW um, that I'm not a huge fan of, mm. like as far as like certain things that are being presented or not being presented. But AEW does a better job at making their legends revered and important than anybody's done in the last 30 years. I would agree with that. They do yeah. an excellent job at it. And Sting's right there at the top of the heap. They've treated him so well. They have protected him. That cinematic match with him, Darby, oh, yeah. Starks, um, and, and uh, Brian Cage, they smoked that. They, 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 they've treated Sting better than, than anybody's ever done it, you know, with a, a living legend. Right. It's amazing. Um, and, you know, he told me, and, and this is what... What do I hate most about how people receive my writing when they don't fucking read it? Um, <laughs> because Sting announces his retirement and people are like, yo, like, what do you think Sting's going to do? I think he should do this. I think he should have my guys. I Sting's going to have a tag match with Darby. And they're like, well, no, but he should. I'm like, guys, Sting told me he's going to have a tag match with Darby. I'm not saying I guarantee it. I'm just letting you know, like. That is the plan. Tag match with Darby. Well, I don't understand why he would, because he said that's what he wants to do. Like it's, right, it's, right, it's right. You no, know, but I really think it's going to be um, him and Darby. I don't know who the team would be, man, because um, things are, you know, these are weird over there right now. Right. But it's going to be a tag match with Darby. I think they come out on top. I think that he hands Darby the bat or something to that effect. Yep. And, you know, rides off into the sunset. I agree. Like I said, I know I know you are not a fan of fantasy booking, uh, so I didn't want to ask you that. But I just wanted to see get an idea of where you thought they were going. I obviously like the Ric Flair stuff seems like a nice throwback to WCW. I don't know how much involvement he's going to have in that as far as in ring work. But I feel like that is definitely going to be a huge thing. I also foresee a Ric Flair heel turn coming. I mean, it just feels like that's probably the move. Right. What do you think? Uh, I, it would be really interesting if he had whoever he faces. It's a tag team that Ric Flair manages or supports. Yeah, that would be interesting. That that would be. I think that would be an interesting send off. Sting getting one over on Flair for the last time. Yep. Um, I think I think that would be really cool. Flair showing him love at the end, regardless. Yeah, I think that would be cool. I think so. I want to talk to you before we get into uh, Survivor Series talk. I want to talk about the bloodline. Obviously, as we know, as we're recording this, Roman Reigns went over on L.A. Night at Crown Jewel. Um, how are you feeling about the bloodline storyline? And do you think that they are going to pull the trigger at WrestleMania 40 in my hometown of Philadelphia uh, with with Pastor Cody Rhodes? They better. Damn it. <laughs> they better. Like, it's here's what's tough about it. We got some really good stuff over the last, you know, six, seven, eight months. But now he's closing in on Hogan's reign. And it's like, are they going to do it? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think, I don't think catching Hogan is important to Triple H in that way because Roman, for whatever people say about, uh, him not defending the title. He got more titles defenses than Hulk Hogan did. You know what I mean? Like, thank you. I'm glad that, someone said fair. it. I'm glad someone yeah, said it. More, more than Hogan. And so like, they got to do it in Philly with Cody, man. You know, first city of America. They got to do it. Yeah. With Cody, man. They got to, I, I really think that, um, you can't send the audience home like that twice. No, you know, um, people, we left the stadium. It's me and Suzette. We're outside waiting on an Uber. There's a guy in a wheelchair, and he's with, uh, I guess, probably his girlfriend. And they're just kind of sitting there. And he looks at her, shrugs, and says, I mean, 
what the, God, no, don't let me forget it. What was the, um, oh, uh, he said, I mean, Cody's a two and they the ones. And I laughed so damn hard. I was like, oh, oh my, oh my God. God. And so there was still like the idea of Roman's that guy. Yeah. Cody's going to get it eventually. Eventually got to be WrestleMania. It's got to be 40, man. You, you got to do it. Um, if they don't do it, I just feel like that's money left on the table and Cody can never get back to that spot that he needs to be in. Cody's still a top-tier babyface. Cody's not lost momentum. They go crazy for Cody. You can only do that so many times. Well, that's what I was going to say. You can only go to that well so many times. In hindsight, while I still don't agree with the booking decision at the end of that match in 39, because I feel like, even still on some level, I still feel like Cody should have gone over on Roman. However... Looking at the way they've built him over the past year, so, well, I mean, almost a year now, right? But building up to that point, he's white hot. The crowd still love him. I was there. We were there in Philadelphia when he was, or Hershey, I think it was, when Raw came to town. The place went crazy for him when he came out. Like, it's, it hasn't stopped, right? It hasn't stopped yeah. his momentum. But I think if they don't pull the trigger at 40, and I feel like there's a certain segment of folks, too, as well, with Roman, who are at the point now where it's like, how much more of this can we do, right? Jay is splintered off from him. By the way, shout out to main event Jay Uso. That guy, let me tell you something. My wife, Courtney, hates when I say this, and she's going to listen to this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Strap a fucking rocket to the back of that guy's back and send him to the fucking moon because he is it. He's got everything they're looking for, right? I think they've done it. You know, it's Jay's off of the bloodline. Jimmy, there's this weird thing. There's only so many times for me you can go to that well with Paul on the cell phone. I'll call Roman. Like, what are we doing? You know, like there's only so much of that you can take in, in a certain aspect. But I, I agree with you. I don't think that people are going to accept a Cody loss. I don't know if it's going to be at the Rumble. I would love to see them at War Games. Obviously, here we go. I'm fantasy booking. I told you I wasn't going to do this. But what I'd love to see them at, at War Games is maybe put the briefcase on the line, right? Since the Judgment Day is involved put the briefcase mm. somehow in. If we win, I get this briefcase and that's how I get to, to mania. But I'm fascinated to see how they're going to build it. But do you think, do you think that the bloodline overall has gotten stale or do you still enjoy the storyline as it is? I think having solo squash Cena, um, having Roman. So to me at this point, we are getting more paranoid, like, the world's falling down around me. Why do people think they can challenge me? I think we're getting that with Roman. Yes. So I think that, you know, once we get, listen, he's got to fight somebody at the Rumble, right? Yeah. Um, there's got to be a match there. Um, somebody's going to give him hell. But yeah, I think, I think, fantasy booking, I think Cody wins the chamber, man. Damn it. I think Cody yeah. wins the chamber. Mm. And, um, you know, whoever wins the Rumble is. You know, let Gunther win the Rumble and go get Seth, man. Let him yep. do it. Um, yep. That would be really interesting. I think that would be a great uh, a great way for Seth to be fighting champion. But listen, you can't fight it. You can't fight them all. Right. Um, I think that would be really interesting. But yeah, I think Cody wins that Elimination Chamber and it's like, yo, I got to go get him. Yep. I, I uh, So the name of the episode, obviously, is going to be Fantasy Booking with Cameron Hawkins. But I will say <laughs> that's a good way for them to – I got to do it, man. I'm sorry. I will say that it's a good way for them to – uh, protect Gunther and this intercontinental reign. He wins the rumble. He maintains the title reign throughout the entire time. And he beats Seth. He beats the shit out of Seth, Seth at, at WrestleMania and takes that belt has to relinquish the other belt. You know, like it, it makes sense to me. Right. Um, but the mm. chamber, the chamber's a great idea. Um, let's talk about survivor series in general. Um, and the big question, obviously, as we know, which everybody talks about on Twitter is cousin, Phil CM punk, Philip Brooks, do you see him coming back and do you see him being a viable challenger to Roman Reigns as sort of the last? Because obviously AJ Styles is probably going to come back at some point and challenge Roman right in between now and WrestleMania. We have plenty of time to get there. But do you think CM Punk comes back? Do you think it's beneficial for the company to come back? Tell me where your head's at on that. I think it's beneficial. I think that, you know, it's different in WWE, man, especially now. Like if a guy don't like you, he just don't like you. Right. Like, like. The talent isn't in position to tell the boss who should be here and who shouldn't. Mm. Or when the person makes a mistake, say, see, like, listen, Triple H and Vince had that relationship. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like Triple H was fighting people backstage, but Triple H was like, yo, 
that's why that guy can't be champion and I should. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. So, but it wasn't to the point where people were losing their jobs. You know, right, like right. CM Punk, forget who's right, forget who's wrong. Them dudes over there didn't like him to the point where they didn't want him to be there. Right. Like not, they wanted to beat him in matches. They did not want him in the company, right? Right. So I think CM Punk would be a good get for WWE because CM Punk is not in a position to manipulate things or people. I'm not saying that's what he did, but whatever problems you think he caused over there, the infrastructure is too tight for him to do that over here. Um, You know, WWE, a bunch of, a lot of WWE fans are CM Punk fans. Yeah. Like, they, like there's no way around it. They don't care about the politics. They just want to see their guy come out. They want to hear that music. They want to see him hit the moves. That's what they want. Yep. Um, now, do I see it happening? <sighs> Not really. Because, like, with everything that I said, like, Seth Rollins is clear. He don't want him there. Right. You know what I mean? And not that I think it would make Seth like upset or jump ship or anything like that, but I just don't know if CM Punk has such an upside at this point that bringing him in is is beneficial at the risk of upsetting people. Again, upsetting, right. not making him do anything crazy, just upsetting. So not really, man. If he showed up, that'd be cool. Like I'd I'd watch. I enjoyed all his AEW stuff. Mm-hmm. Like the you know the worst thing about the whole situation. What's that? CM Punk left the company on maybe the best match that he's had outside of the dog collar match. <laughs> <laughs> he leads it by by smoking it. Him yeah. and Samoa Joe killed yeah, that. Yeah, they fucking you killed know? that match, dude. It That's the hardest shit. part. Right? Yeah. So I don't. Hey, man, look, look, look. He he, he left on a high note. If yeah. they're gonna hire him, like, look, look what I can still do. And you're not gonna ask me to go out there and do it for a half hour. Right. You ask me to go out there and give you 12 minutes of that fire, and and that's it. I can do that with a bunch of guys. Right. You know? So, yeah. So, I want to I pivot real fast because we're talking about a lot of wrestling stuff, but I want to ask you about Wally Mania, which was just announced recently. I know you'll be here in Philly for that. I will be there as well. Um, looking forward to everything. Tell me more. Do you have any details about Wally Mania? Where is it going to be? Tell me some information. Yeah, I do know some stuff. Look, that's why you that's why you download the graphics, right? That's so, right. Um, what are we doing? April the 4th, 2024, which is going to be the, I think it's the it's Thursday before Mania. Let me check. Um, I'm checking the dates. The 4th, yeah. It's the Thursday before Mania. Um, Cause Friday is SmackDown and we don't uh, run with that. Right. But yeah, it'll be that uh, April 4th, Thursday, April 4th at the Franklin music hall. And for the people um, in Philadelphia, that's the former electric factory right there on 7th and Spring Garden. Yep. So, yeah, man, um, it, it's going to be a good time. It's, um, of course, hosted by uh, my man uh, Kazim, hosted by my man Emilio Sparks. Um, yeah. And hosted by Wale himself. It is the the biggest mix of wrestling talent that you'll ever see. I'm talking WWE, AEW, TNA. ROH, um, that was like old ROH, old WCW. Like it is wow. the biggest mix of talent you'll ever see. Um, it is a party, it is a celebration. Last year, uh Trinity Fatu was the guest of honor, flanked by the Usos and Solo. Um, and nine thousand of their cousins <laughs> who I was getting bottles for all night. It was amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, Wale puts on a performance. We got a DJ, we got celebrities, um, you know. The bars, you know, back to back bottles, the kids from NXT running around. And it's fun watching them because they're not famous yet. So like <laughs> watching them like, you know, navigate the crowd. Yeah. Like, because what's really interesting about them is it's their first time in a lot of in a lot of cases getting to see their fans outside of Florida. Mm-hmm. So like it's their first opportunity to really be stars right. in, in a public space. So it's really cool. But yeah, man. Uh, yeah. Like I said, we got drinks. We got everybody. The who's who in wrestling and in wrestling media is there. Big party, um, you know, goes all night. Uh, the, the most 
the most fun night of the year for me the last couple of years, even though I'm working the whole time. But yeah, man, it's a good time. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to seeing you there because I'm excited about that. That's one of the, one of the things that I've earmarked for that week. Because obviously, as you know, I'm taking off the whole fucking week because it's 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 a <laughs> holiday. It's a national holiday. So, uh, one thing I want to ask you: I was in your territory recently. I was down there, and while well, you're in Austin, I was in Houston. Um, mm-hmm. People are conflicted about this, and I think it's it's really important that we get this information out uh, to see where you stand on this, Mr. Hawkins. What's your feeling on In and Out? It's cool. It's cool. <laughs> I'm a Whataburger guy, man. Mm. Like they built In and Out like right by the uh, the outlets that I that I always go to, and it's cool. Like it's cool in a pinch. It's good every now and again. Yeah. I'm I'm a, I'm a Whataburger guy, baby. Yeah. Gotta have Whataburger, but it's cool. I, <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I used to go to Houston. I haven't been to Trillburger yet, but I got to do that. Oh, that is, man. That, yeah, I should have gone there. On, yeah, that's that. That is on the menu for sure. Who's for um, sure. whose restaurant is that? Bun B. That's what I, th- I was going to say. Bun B. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. sure yet. I've, I've heard about it. I'll be back there again this summer. So I'll let you know. We'll try to link up while I'm down there. Um, I will take you to the best cheesesteak places in Philadelphia as well. I'll keep you away from the tourist traps unless you want to do like, you know, like photos for the socials and the gram and all like that. But if you got to You got to take me to the, to like the spots. That's what people want to see. They don't want to see me do regular stuff. You got to take me to the spots. Here's the thing, right? And here's, here's the best part about rolling with somebody from the area, right? You want to go to the places that are just sketchy enough where you think you're going to catch something, but just like the best food you're ever going to eat in your entire life. Right? Yeah. Like go I to need the- you to have like, I need a, a a D plus C minus on the health inspection. Yes, like yes. just like oh, con- conditionally approved, right? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> Someone's exactly. waiting for the tetanus to break out or the fucking strict. Yeah, I mean. that's where I'm. I have a bunch of places to take you when you get here, as far as food wise. So we'll make sure we we get there for you. Um, I usually do a thing at the end of these conversations when I do wrestling shows. Uh, it's a set of rapid fire questions that I ask all of my guests that come on, and I would be honored if you would uh, give me the answers uh, off the top. If you don't want to answer, say skip. Whatever you want to do is fine with me. But we're going to start at the top here. What is your all-time favorite wrestling match? Uh, HBK Angle WrestleMania 21. That's a good one, man. No one's ever said that yet, but that's a fucking fantastic match. match. Your favorite WrestleMania? Uh, 19, uh, just an embarrassment of riches and talent and superstars. (laughs) What is the worst match of all time? Ooh, worst match of all time. Seen some stinkers, man. Yeah, uh, some bad ones, dude. Off, off the top of my head, like finger poker doom is easy, right? right. Like that, that's an easy one to get to. Uh, I'll, I'll say that one. I'll say that one. Yeah. I try not to. It's hard for me to even like process like coming down on talent in that way. I'll say that. I'll say well, that so I do it. I do a segment on the show. Um, Sam Kreps, who does the uh, outro credits for the show. He's not a wrestling person. And I find what are considered like the worst matches of all time. And I'll show him that wrestling match. But it's not that he's shitting on the talent. It's just the fact that like, wow, this was really poorly executed. Right. It doesn't it doesn't always work. Right. Um, What is the worst gimmick of all time? Uh, Brodus Clay. Yes. Good call. Uh, Your favorite wrestling angle. Favorite angle. Um. Off the top of my head, my favorite angle is uh, Rock joining the corporation. Mm, that's a good one. What is the worst or your least favorite wrestling angle? Uh, probably Eugene. Mm. They they just they they didn't have the sophistication to write that. Yeah, I think if it had the tact or the yeah the maybe sophistication is the right word. I think they could have done something really great with that. But looking yeah. back at it now, it's like, especially because of circumstances in my own life, I'm like, this is not, yeah, yeah. not good. Um, biggest missed opportunity in professional wrestling? Um, gosh, uh, Monty Brown. Mm. Seth- they, had, they had a superstar in TNA. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, Jeff Jarrett was doing Jeff Jarrett back then, baby. Um, but yeah, I think they, they missed out on an opportunity to have a real wrestling superstar. Um, him and then like kind of tied because they crossed paths a little bit. Uh, I thought Elijah Burke in, in WWE. Mm, um, they yeah. should never let that guy go. I think he would have been huge. Seth Rollins or Kenny Omega? 
Seth Rollins. Um, and shout out to Omega. He's amazing. Right. Um, Seth Rollins does it for me more uh, character-wise. A WWE or AEW crossover, does it ever happen? No. Um, uh, you got, you got, they're too proud on both sides. WCW, and I'm talking pre-Russo, NWO height, mm. or ECW? Uh, WCW. Paul Heyman or Eric Bischoff? Paul Heyman. NWO or DX? NWO. Hulk Hogan or Ric Flair? Pass. <laughs> I get the pass on that every time. And uh, Sting and The Undertaker wrestle. Who goes over? Undertaker. Cam, thank you so much for stopping by the show today. I really appreciate your time. As always, tell everybody where they can keep up to date on your social media and also see your faces that you post because I still have that meme in my phone. You can't hide your emotion. You have a bad poker face like I do. Where can everybody keep up with you on socials, man? Yeah, man. Uh, Instagram and Twitter at Seahawks, C-E-E-H-A-W-K. Um, you can find my my work at theringer.com. Again, most recently talking to uh, L.A. Knight. Uh, before that, had a really good conversation with MJF. So, uh, And then we got, we got a big one coming up for Survivor Series. And we got a big one ending the year with AEW. I think it's going to be really some really cool stuff. Um, you can find me at Fightful.com. Um, I got a long uh, interview with uh, Steve Austin over there, as well as an interview with Eddie Kingston after winning the uh, ROH world title. Um, and I got a show over there with my man Rob Wilkins called My Point Is, the only monthly wrestling show. Um, have a really good time over there joking around with Rob, talking about the goings-on in this business. Um Outside of that, um, just did an episode of Wednesday Worldwide, the Ring of Wrestling show, talking about the L.A. Night piece, talking about uh, his trajectory going forward. Um, and then, listen, um, if you, you know, if the content's a bit much, if I'm not necessarily your cup of tea, understood, I recommend following me on the socials, WrestleMania week. Um, I, you know... I felt like the mayor, mayor of LA, man. I was, I was everywhere. I was doing everything. Um, it was a real, um, it was a real humbling, but also like affirming experience being there. Yeah. So if you're going to, if you're not going to follow me and hey, last week of March, first week of April, you might want to jump on because you were going to see some things. And like we said, man, April 4th, Wale Mania, biggest wrestling party of the year, every single year, expect uh, surprises and a good time. Um, so yeah, definitely come out to that. I will see you there, sir. We will be the co-mayors of Philadelphia when you come out here. Cameron Hawkins, thank you again so much for your time, sir. I appreciate you. I always appreciate you, man. Keep up the hard work. Thank you, sir. You as well. Foundation Radio is hosted, recorded, and produced by Adam Barnard. Additional production and narration provided by Sam Kreps. The show was mixed and engineered by Carl Pinnell. Our intro and outro music was performed and produced by Dumb Ugly. Additional musical accompaniment provided by Enrichment. Special thanks to Greg Mead, Joe Keen, Jeff Quinn, and Dr. Ruth Elmi. Follow us on Twitter at FND Radio Pod and find our entire archive at foundationradio.net. This has been a Butts Carlton Media Production. Butts Carlton, proprietor.